0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. ba da pa pa ba participating in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: In the meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, a football life about him premieres coming up at nine o'clock on friday on the nfl network it includes tony dungy peyton manning kurt warner i believe trick daddy is a part of it as well he is the nfl hall of famer and somebody that all colts fans love edger james joins us now Edgerin, how are you
2: hey, i'm always good me too well <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I just know this. From our conversations in the past, it is good to be you, man. There is no doubt.
2: <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it.
1: Um, i want to start with this past weekend. Were you going to Vegas anyway, or did you jet out there to celebrate and be a part of your former teammate Jeff Saturday making his coaching debut?
2: Well, I was actually headed to L.A. I had to be in L.A. on Monday but as soon as I see my boy get the job, I have to, you know, abort all missions. I got to go support my man. This is like, this is big. You know, somebody you play with to see them get in these positions in the organizations that's family, it's like, man, I'm, I got I to gotta be there for this because we're going to get that victory and I'm going to be right there to support my boy because, you know, it's only right.
1: It's uh, Adrian James with us. Was he a guy that you played with in the past that maybe you thought one of these days could do what he's doing right now and coach in the NFL? Well,
2: I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not surprised. You never know what, what direction everybody's going, but I'm not surprised because if you be around and you're in those locker rooms and you, you, know, you start developing these relationships and you're having these conversations, certain people know the game. And the people that know the game and they're actually likable people and the people that you can get along with, you know, those right there, those are the things that separate certain people. Some people know the game, but they can't get along with people. Some people get along with people. They don't know the game. But when you're somebody that has that it factor that everybody loves, that nobody's really has a problem with that and go, goes and does his work, like Sally wasn't a drafted player. Sally came and put that work in and earned everything. So, Man, I love it. I'm I'm happy for him. It's
1: Edron uh, James on and the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. A football life premieres about him coming up on Friday. We'll dive into that in just a second. Now, did you end up getting to L.A. or did you abort that mission totally?
2: Nah, I didn't don't abort nothing. Nothing totally. <laughs> Still made it to L.A. It's, it's called omnipresence. You have to be everywhere. Wait, wait everywhere. <laughs> everywhere.
1: So you're you're absolutely everywhere.
2: I love that. I'm trying to be everywhere, hey, as much as I can. You got to get up and go as much as you can, man. That's what life is about.
1: Well, I'm. A, are you going to be up here on Sunday? Home debut of Jeff Saturday? You going nah, to slide up there?
2: Nah, I'll be at another function. You know, I just spread it out. You know, you got to spread the edge. You know?
1: Well, let me. Uh, so, let's hear about this function. Can you explain? Go into a little bit of detail about this function.
2: Oh, well, it's, um, You know, I love to go and support the HBCUs. They have the Florida A&M versus Bethune-Cookman College, you know, classic game in Orlando. And I love to be there. The family atmosphere is good vibes, good energy. And if you ever get a chance to come to an HBCU game and hang out, man, you'll are is the time of your life, man. I'm telling you. So that's where Edge will be at.
1: Yeah, it's where you're going to be coming up this weekend. Now, I, I, are you going to try to make a game back up here before the end of the season, too? I, I was assuming that we probably would see some some of the former Jeff Saturday teammates up here because of that debut um, on Sunday.
2: Well, I can't speak for anybody else, you know, but I'm I'm never too far away and – if the big man sends the plane, I'm on my way. You know, that's how I move. Does that now,
1: do you expect to get a call from the big man to send the plane down nah. there?
2: I would nah, assume so. No, no, no. It's like it happens when it happens. I don't expect nothing, but I'm always available for the right thing.
1: How'd you think the team overall played? And then after the game, we saw the video of you and Jeff celebrating and. And enjoying that that first win what you think about how he looked on the sideline his demeanor and how the team performed because that was edger and that was a chaotic week i mean it really was leading up to that game and it seemed like everything went about as well including the win as you could ask
2: it was normal he did everything that every other coach does the difference is it's just sad and it's not a coach that has been around for a long time you know he did everything um And I was actually impressed with his pregame speech, the way he rallied the troops, he got everybody together. If you didn't know anything about football or you didn't know anything about experience anything, you'd have walked in the locker room, you'd have left out of there motivated, and the guys, they was all in. So whatever he did, he did what he was supposed to do, and he did it just like a coach would do.
1: It's uh, Edger and James, the Hall of Famer with us via the Andy Moore automotive group Potline. Edge moves. Hashtag edge moves. We're going to get that thing started on Twitter coming <laughs> up in in just a bit. So, um, I'm assuming you've seen the finished product here of a football life for premieres Friday on the NFL Network. Um what's, um what's your favorite part, I guess, of your football life that we're going to see coming up on Friday?
2: I don't think it's one part that's – that you can take it as a favorite, I think it's the journey. You know, the journey, you know, the journey is when I look back on it, a lot of times when you're in the midst of living and you're looking at and you're just living life, you don't really reflect too much. But then when they start putting these football lights or when you start going through these series where it starts documenting things, it's like, Okay, yeah, hey, it's pretty inspirational to see all the different things you go through to get to where you're trying to get to and and um, they did a great job.
1: Did you? Um, because you seem like to me somebody that soaks up absolutely everything. Is, is there anything oh, really? that you wish you could double back and um, and relive it again because you didn't get to to feel it as much as you did when you were living in the moment?
2: Nah, not not too many things. Like every one thing kind of builds on the other. Yeah. So it's it's all part of the journey, you know, it's all part of the journey. So I can't say one thing because where I was at, at this time in my life, you know, now I'm in a different space. So you just enjoy every space that you're in. That's how I try to look at it. I enjoy every space and now I I celebrate more of the small victories now because I was doing some I was doing some top notch things. You know, you break records or you are doing all and for me it was like, Oh, we gotta go work tomorrow or oh, we're just looking forward to the next day or you know, always looking at to the next move. But now I kind of, you know, I sit back with my kids. I celebrate the touchdowns. I enjoy the things that they're doing because I really, I never got a chance to do those things because I was on a mission, you know, a man on a mission. You don't have time to be sit back and sitting on these awards or anything. You get any any of those accomplishments. You say, Hey, what's next? What's next? And that was always the mindset.
1: How are you as a sports dad?
2: I'm a great sports dad. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't bother my kids during the game. Hey, we do all our work through the week, through your preparation. When it comes game time, you know, I take my notes. And when the game's over, they get a text message with everything they did wrong most of the time. And the things they did right, they expect to do it right. Everything they did that could make them better. And after that, whenever they come to me, that's when we talk about it. And I just keep moving on. But I enjoy the moments.
1: It's a football life on Friday. Hall of Famer Edger and James kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline, nine o'clock on the NFL network Friday night. Peyton Manning has said this a number of times and it's in this as well. Um, You were the best teammate he had ever had. So what makes a great teammate in your estimation?
2: I mean, just be be there for your teammates no matter what and I, and you just go out and do your job. You do your job and you complement each other. Um, you know, it, when it's time to pass, I know it's time to block. You know, a lot of time in this position, you know, you, you want to put the ball in your hands a lot. But if you play for the coach, you know, and you have a great quarterback and great receivers, you know, you'll be silly to sit up there and think you're going to carry the ball all the time. You got to be willing to sit up there and protect this person and make sure that these things happen. And for me, I just always just did my job. And I got a great appreciation for a person like Peyton that really loved the game. Learned a lot about the game from Payton because Payton really loves the game, you know. And that's something that is is not common. <laughs> you know, everybody don't love the game like Peyton loves the game.
1: Yeah, well, who um, who'd you learn the most from when you were here from a teammate standpoint, Edron?
2: I think we learn from each other, you know, because everything complements each other. Like you know, the pass and the run, it, it always every, everything fed off each other, you know. So you have so much that you, I mean, so many different people you encounter. So it's, it's a multi. I mean, it's so many people that you deal with. You can't just say just one person, you know. It's it was a group effort.
1: So, Edron James, the Hall of Famer via the Andy Moore Automotive Group potline. It's funny, Jeff, Saturday in that post-game um, speech to the team after the win talked about Victory Monday. Was there anything better than Victory Monday when you were a player?
2: Man, he, he caught at the right time, man. When you look, you, you look forward to Victory Mondays, you know, Victory Monday makes the season so much better. You know, you come in with that extra – like motivation, it gives you that extra spunk to go out and win. So there's nothing like Victory Monday. You know, that's, that's. I think if you ask any football player, I think that's the best day of the, of the year, Victory Monday.
1: You guys had great coaches, whether it was, you know, Tony Dungy or Tom Moore, you know, just really anybody, support staff, whatever, when you were here. Did you notice that Jeff Saturday may have taken away some of the your coaches when you were playing alongside him and put into good use in his coaching debut this past weekend. Any, any tiny quotes or anything like that that stood out to you?
2: Absolutely. So he said, who goes the hardest, the longest? Tom Moore popped up in my head. That's what Tom Moore's words. And, man, Saturday knows what – hey, all you got to do is do what the greats do and you'll be okay. And that's what Saturday did. He didn't try to reinvent the wheel hey, shrink that playbook, let's play fast, let's play tough, let's get out of here and do what we do, and that's coach football.
1: Man, it seems like, too, it could be easy to lose somebody if you're you're phony and, and you're up there for a while, you know, preaching and doing your thing. And it just seemed like you're right. I mean, he kept it simple. I thought the Colts kept it simple on Sunday, as simple as possible as they could with a new play call or with a new head coach. And uh, I, I thought it worked out great in Vegas that way.
2: Of course, man. Less is more, man. Like, why you go get this dominant football player and you make him have to do all this thinking? All this thinking, you know. Football is about reacting. You know, play fast, react, do what you've been doing since you was a kid. Let's not overanalyze this thing. Let's just play some hard ball. The man in front of me. Long as I beat him, we winning. You know, and that's how. That's the mentality. But when you go through and you have to do all these X's and O's and complicated, and I have to do all this thinking. I'm going to move a little bit slower. But when you take all the thinking out of it you just simplify, that's what football is. That's that's what it's about. That's why you work so hard become stronger faster and become, you know, more in your skill level shows. You know, put it on display.
1: Uh, you, you have a book, too, and and James is with us. Before I let you go, From Gold Teeth to Gold Jacket, My Life in Football and Business. Pretty happy with the way that thing turned out, I guess.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's just like the football, like it's part of the journey. You know, you get to show, give a little insight. And I think a lot of the, the younger kids that's actually going through this stuff, I think any NFL player should actually read this book. And even the guys, even the younger kids that's playing sports, because it they're in the book. You know, they're in the book, especially if they're walking the same walk. And so we wanted to make a book that was timeless, something that somebody can pick up in 10 years, the principles they remain the same. And it's going to show what it takes To become,
1: it's uh, Edgerrin James. He's got the football life that premieres about him at nine o'clock coming up on Friday on the NFL Network. And his book is called "From Gold Teeth to Gold Jacket: My Life in Football and Business." The Hall of Famer Edgerrin James on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, and is just a text away from the big man sending the plane down to get back up here. I'm betting right now that (laughs) that, that, that's going to happen before the end of the year. That's going to happen.
2: Uh. Anytime, man. Anytime a big man calls, Edge on his way. You know how it goes.
1: (laughs) Edge moves. Hashtag edge moves. Hey, It's always a pleasure to have you on. I mean, I'm telling you, people love you up here. They love it when you come on the show. And um, we're just a phone call away if you ever want to drop in again and uh, talk about anything, man. Always fantastic to have you on the show.
2: All right. Thanks for having me, man. And go coach. Edger and
1: James on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participating participating McDonald's for a limited time.
3: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love
1: Former Hoosier, the former nba once upon a time in one magical season in the 1990s was the Big Ten Player of the Year, the left-handed sweet shooting stroke of one Brian Evans, who also helped cure my snoring with Aurora Specialty Sleep Clinics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pipeline. You've done so much. Like, I don't even know. Your, like, bio that I have to read here is like a paragraph. You've done so much for me. Well done. <laughs>
4: You make it so you make it sound so hard to believe that I was
1: able to like
4: change ends on a basketball.
1: No nah, man, you could shoot it. We loved you. We absolutely loved you, and and still do. I do want to dive into. And you saw last night. Purdue has again a number of dudes that are going to be vying for clock time, and there's not going to be enough spread around. That's a good problem to have as long as you win. And I'm assuming everybody remains happy. But I'm assuming IU's going to have a similar situation as they start. I guess. For real, on Friday in the Gavit games versus Xavier, what are you expecting from the guys down in Bloomington this season?
4: I think there's plenty of reason to be excited, right? Uh, not that that's a you know, any breaking news, but yeah, it looks like we have some depth down there finally, much like Purdue. Uh, I'm I'm tracking those guys, and Matt Waddell is a friend of mine, and his son is playing there now. So I'm uh, uh, Brian is his name, and I'm yep I'm following them, but. Yeah, you got you have two different teams with what looks like you know nine or ten deep, which is exciting stuff. And I, I think one of the cool things that exists now that you know didn't back in you know our era when you and I were young men is uh, the plus minus. You know that, right. that that wasn't even on the on the uh, stat sheet, which is there now. And that thing doesn't lie. You know when you when you're in the game, if you're plus eight and and when you're out of the game, if the team is minus ten uh you the coach is gonna try to find ways to get you in the game, and I think that's a it's a awesome stat that that exists now with some of the analytics that's available uh nowadays that wasn't back then
1: oh no, I hate the plus minus is that because I suck
4: why? I hate it why do you hate it
1: um i I just i just i I'm not a big analytics guy in the first place, and that's one that I always point to. I guess you can i don't I think you can be a part of a rotation now with so so many dudes that are getting playing time where you know maybe what you your true value was you know during that time when you're in there doesn't show or your contributions really show is that fair
3: yeah
4: yeah there's a there was a thing that they had in Europe when I was playing over there that was a, they called it your valuation it was, right and I think it was a different number than just the straight up plus and minus of what the score is when you're in the game. Um, but it just takes, it takes your stats and it kind of bakes them together. Right. Uh, points and rebounds. And everything. I think it's actually a better number than the flat out, you know, plus and minus of the score. Um, but, you know, I, I look back and I think when, it, when I was playing in the NBA and for the, for the, just a few years that I was there, I wish they would have had any, any one of those stats just because I, I felt like um, our second unit in particular right was doing positive things, and I was a part of a positive second unit,
5: and, you
4: know, I don't it wasn't being looked at. It was like, oh, well, we're going to stick with our rotations, and there's something about Coach Woodson that I think is, lot, you know, he, he's got a lot of NBA mentality. Yeah. There, there's no question about that, and, you know, I, I think about being on his team if I was a starter. And I wanted to, I'm not going to lie to you, I wanted to play. I wanted to play the whole game unless I was tired, which wasn't going to happen, or I was in foul trouble. I, I don't, I wouldn't like this platoon thing. I really wouldn't. I, you know, Coach Knight was great about this back in the day. It's like, hey, every day in practice, show me that you're better than the guy in front of you and show me how much better you are than the guy behind you, and um, your minutes will reflect that. And if you wanted to play, you tried to beat the crap out of the guy in front of you if, you if you were the backup. Or, you know, in my case, if you were you were the starter, you don't want to give that guy behind you any, any air. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like this platoon thing where we're going to make these mass substitutions because we think we're strong, you know, through 10 guys, I, I, I'm not buying into that. I, I don't. I don't think that's the best way to substitute, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, to, I think to your argument here, sometimes maybe you have a guy in the groove, and you sub this person out, and they don't find it again. You know what I mean? I mean, you feel more compelled to try to, you know, give everybody a little bit of clock time. You know, maybe that happens. Maybe not. I mean, if you're the coach and you realize somebody's got it going, then obviously you should leave them in. But, I, yeah, sometimes I guess you can look at it that way. That's an interesting point. Sometimes you can have have too many, and it can become an issue. But I think those issues are, are more easily, if you want to put it that way, solved in this era of basketball because, I mean, hell, you can just, like, run to the transfer portal if you're not getting enough time, which is not good. Don't get me wrong but that's a way that some of these guys i'm not suggesting on either one of these teams but just in general in college basketball would choose to deal with that situation of not getting the playing time that you think you should be getting
4: great point i you know that 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 is a wild card for sure is trying to keep a lot of different guys happy and keep them from uh, trying to transfer you know i i feel like if you're a uh, if you got a 10 man rotation then you get, and that's really what you believe is the best rotation and stick with it. My guess is when you get into the big 10, right? The the meat of the big 10, it's not going to be 10 guys, it's going to be eight guys. And you know, and the guys that got it rolling and the guys that you know you can rely on, they should be playing 30 to 35 minutes and I don't know. I I, I saw it happen. I got paired out of a uh, a rotation plan for John Calipari in New Jersey, where I felt like you know I was I was an important part of a second unit that played really well as a second unit, and it and it was more of a uh, a platoon thing. We'd kind of come in together, and it was it was uh, oh jeez. Sherman Douglas and Ronnie Cicy and Chris Gatling—you probably remember some of those. Oh
1: names. yeah, I remember all those and names we, right there. Yeah, and we
4: had a, and we had a nice second unit that was coming in and and feeling like our our quote unquote plus minus was was strong. And when we got to the playoffs, we were the eight seed. This this was in that in the Jordan series, um, we we matched up with the Bulls. We were the eight seed. They were the one seed in '99. Jordan's last title. And Cal Perry called me in his office and. Said, hey, I'm. You're not gonna like this, but I'm gonna pare down. You know, from ten guys in the rotation to like seven or eight. You and Lucius Harris are kind of the odd men out. And it, man, it, it hurt. It that's that cut really deep because we were, we we're an important part of that unit, and we we go off and get swept. And I, you know, I've often wondered, well, once you've once you've done that for 82 games, why would you change then? And I, you know, I, you go into a season like this, it's like is Woody going to stick with it, you know? Great. If you're 10 people deep, then stick with it. I, I have a hard time believing you're going to play 10 in the Big Ten season. That's just me.
1: Seems like to me, and Brian Evans, the former Hoosier on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, that there there is a great deal of optimism in that backcourt um, with Hood Shafino as a freshman and Xavier Johnson. Um, for another year. And, and I don't know when it was. I actually asked Don Fisher this on Friday. He couldn't remember exactly when the game was. But there was a point in time a year ago where on the floor, everything was going in the wrong direction and everybody was being critical of Johnson and getting tired of him. And then there was a game where the, the switch kind of flipped, I guess, so to speak here. And he became as important a part of that team as they had more success down the stretch and got into the the, uh, NCAA tournament than he was being criticized for before that. I can't remember the time, but he became an essential player to that team at some point a year ago. And I think that expectation is for that carryover in the backcourt with this group as well.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was around that uh, home game against Purdue Where I mean, and that was late season. He just he's got a lot of courage, you know. He's got he's got some of that moxie that I I love to see too. And you know, and I was I was in the group of people that was frustrated by him. Felt like he was always trying to go a little too fast, a little out of control. You know, nobody likes the way that jumper looks, or even even a free throw. He he doesn't have a pretty shot, you know. but at the end of the day the results were there the guy the guy's got some courage he's got moxie and that t- that team I think when you have the leadership guys trace uh, hard to poke holes in him seems like such a good guy. If I was going to say he hit a soft spot it was probably he's too nice of a kid you know and and isn't isn't it maybe aggressive enough Where I think that's where Xavier has yeah. been a big part of that team is like he, he, he looks like guy's got a chip on his shoulder. He plays
1: really hard, and he plays a little bit pissed off. Yeah. So, uh, Brian Evans with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. you got heavy expectations there. What do you think the Big Ten's going to look like? They lost uh, a lot of high-level stars this past offseason. And uh, people are kind of talking about it as as being down. I don't think it's going to be as down as it's going to be – competitive it's kind of like the nfl season this year you just kind of look at it across the board as you know basically everybody out there is going to be high level competitive with that other team on a given night i think that's what you're going to see in the big 10 this year
4: i agree i, I think the, the big tens you know obviously it was down for me to to win the mvp of the league back. come in on the
1: man States. no way, way stroking down. you're stroking jumpers come on come on
4: <laughs> it was way down that year there's no question but beyond that, I, I think that nowadays it's anybody that has pro potential it leaves. That's the way it is. And, you know, that's why Trace is back. He went out and got feedback that, that wasn't good for him, you know, that there wasn't a spot for him. But anybody that there is, like the young uh, Christy from uh, Michigan State, yeah. if you get feedback that you're a, a first-rounder, and now it used to be, You'll remember this. It used to be if you were a lottery pick, you needed to go. It was that was kind of like the right. hallmark of leaving. Uh, and then I don't know when this happened. I think you know early two thousands. It kind of turned into, well, if you're a first rounder, you know, then then you should you should probably go because what if you know uh, they start thinking you're too old? What if you you get hurt? You know, so if you're a first rounder, you got to go. I don't even know what it is now. I, there's guys all the time that leave that don't get drafted. And they're not mad. They're like, oh, I, and they, they just they leave school. It's almost like uh, college sucks. And, I, you know, I don't get it because I, I had such a great experience when I was in school. Um, so much of that landscape has changed. But every year you've got these new rosters. And I'm whether we like it or not, it's, it's here to stay. That's the reality. I'm trying to get to know the teams. I watched the Michigan State. You know, I watched those games last night and we're, let's face it we're all pretty much starting from scratch you're trying to learn these rosters cuz it's all young guys and new guys right we've got a this is what's cool about Purdue is what's cool about Indiana is that we do have veteran rosters and that's that's kind of exciting cuz i i think this is the first time in a long time i felt like there's a chance if this if this team comes together that we can make a deep run because we we do have Veteran guys on the roster that can perform. They may not be, you know, headed for the NBA, but who cares? I, I want it. I want Indiana to win. I think this is the year.
1: It's uh, Brian Evans right there. How's everything going at the Aurora Specialty Sleep Clinic? I'm getting that deep sleep that I need, even if it's only like for four and a half hours a night because I stay up late. The deep sleep is there. Thank you.
4: John. John, that's not enough, pal. We gotta get you. gotta get to bed earlier. I do. You gotta stay in bed longer. But Four hours is not enough. I do. Hey, I do want to tell you this. Yes. We got a couple. We got a couple new designs, new uh, mouthpiece designs. Yep. And I want you to come in um, and and get fitted for one of the new ones. I, I got something else I want you to try. I think you're gonna love I'm it. I'm ready.
1: Just little, get me up a there. More
4: comfortable. A little, a little more comfortable. Easier to sleep with. And uh, the outcomes have been outstanding. Well, I'd love to get you back in.
1: I, I love that, and I'm I'm a believer. And then I'm making believers out of folks that listen to my story because this was a long term struggle that you and Steve Green cured, and I can't thank you enough. I'm going to send more people, and let's get that going. I'm going to come up there and, and try out the new device.
4: You do. You got a great listeners, man, and they and they come and see us, and they drop your name every time, and. Uh, and and we're getting some great outcomes just like we did with you. So, hey, get on the – I'll I'll follow up with you. Let's get you back up here because I I want you to try one of these new designs because I think it will be good for you.
1: You got it. B. Evans, I appreciate you more than you know, man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me. It's uh, Brian Evans right there, the former Hoosier, the Big Ten Conference player of the year back in the 90s, the NBAer, and he has uh, cured my snoring, too, which I truly appreciate because it was
0: an issue. Brian Evans on the Andy Moore Automotive. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: group hotline morning show co-host Kevin and query weekday morning seven until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen is with us with his bad back I've got a bad back my bad I'm rocking baby max my bad what are you whining about your back so much for what are you 28 years old stop whining
5: I'm I'm getting old John what are you 28 nah I turned 33 a couple months ago give me a break I'm getting old. It, I uh, it's uh, I, I swear I feel something in a different body part every day.
1: Oh, yeah? I wouldn't bring that yeah, up in tricky. the morning. I wouldn't bring that up in the morning when you guys don't have a lot to talk about.
5: <laughs> yeah, trust me. Uh, conversations with you and conversations from 7 to 10. you you certainly <laughs> got to walk around a little differently. Do you um, are you a, are you a stretcher before you hoop? I mean, I know. You're oh, I have a three point line.
1: I so. go through a battery of the most half ass stretches in the history of man. <laughs> I am a calf against the wall, a calf on the steps, a bend down and dribble really low for the better part of 10 seconds. And then I'm good to go.
5: For some reason, that, that does not shock me. But you know,
1: I am good. Literally, it, I, I do it in about a minute and a half, um, and half of it is with a ball. But I'm also covered, and I mean absolutely lathered up in Biofreeze. So I'm good to go. <laughs>
5: um, I, I did want to mention uh, the opener. You're at the Bulldog tomorrow. I'm at the Bulldog. I about I live about uh, 500 yards from the Bulldog. 500 yards. Yeah. Are oh, you going to come
1: time. by and, hey, come by and I'll get you get you drunk tomorrow afternoon. I yeah, I
5: might have to. Yeah. Uh, we we'll are celebrate my mom's birthday tomorrow. I'll get your mom drunk, too. Uh, <laughs> She's a big fan of yours. Uh, we got some people coming, or we got some family coming over to the house. So, I don't know. Maybe we should start with yeah. the Bulldogs.
1: 500 yards. That's a trendy neighborhood right there.
5: Yeah, it's. Um, I'm glad the Bulldog is back. You know, it used to be Moe and Johnny's, right. and uh, we were big fans of that. So yeah, from a neighborhood standpoint, uh, being able to walk there, we are frequent, frequent visitors.
1: Back in the day when it was Moe and Johnny's, uh, and I didn't know this. I was working at the other station at the time. Um, Actually, I think it was even before I worked at the other station. Maybe it was around there. But back in the 90s, um, I had a major crush, and this is like 1992, 93, somewhere, 94, a major crush on a lead singer of a band called Real Eyes. Her name was Kelsey. And, of course, like all other women uh, at any moment of my life, Wanted zero to do with me. But I was right there. I was right there for Realize and Kelsey. And then somebody told me, hey, she actually works at Mo and Johnny's. So the last time I was in Mo and Johnny's was in there. And I think that's been a long time ago. Clearly been a long time ago. But Kelsey, lead singer of the band, and a lot of people my age will remember this from the nineties. Realize one of the most popular local bands to play, you know, between Indy and Lafayette and Bloomington and Muncie, you know, kind of doing the in state thing. It was one of the most popular bands. It was the Situation Gray and the Y Store, who made it big nationally with Chris Schaefer, who still does a great job and is around here as well. Uh, the Chosen Few, pushed Down and Turn, just some great bands and Realize and Kelsey who worked at Moe and Johnny's back in the day, uh, was the lead singer. So there's a connection, a relatable.
5: Look at that. Shout out to Kelsey. They've done some great – I feel a Moe and Johnny's vibe when I'm in there, but I think the Bulldogs did a nice twist to it. So um, I love that you're going to be there. It's
1: going to be a good time. It is tomorrow. So come by, and I'll get anybody in your family drunk, okay? Just anybody that wants to step up and get drunk, they can get drunk,
5: okay? Well, we'll probably keep Rosie and Max off to the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody else bet. will walk right up there.
1: I would expect that. So, and by the way, happy birthday to your mom! Shout out to your thank mom! You. Happy birthday!
5: Yes, Colleen Bowen. Thank you.
1: Happy birthday to her fantastic um all right let's start with I, I just talked to and James and the uh, football life is going to come up on on Friday as well and I asked this question after uh we hung up with him do you think that I rank him second all time in Indianapolis Colts popularity uh, a little bit less obviously than Peyton Manning who is number one I guess by a long shot here would you rank him number two all time as far as popularity with fans here
5: Ooh, that's a good one um Yeah, and I'd probably slot Reggie in at three. Um, Yeah, I'd put Edge at two. I I guess while we're going down the Bowen family tree, I think I've shared the story with you before, but my grandma, um, her favorite player was Edra and James to the point where she made it clear to our family that when she passed, she wanted burial slot 32. That's awesome. In the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, it was... uh, it, it was. All, I think she just loved how authentic and real yeah. and no one is more comfortable in their own skin than Edron James. I mean, hell, you saw it, and I can't wait to go back and listen to him uh, with you earlier, but I think you saw it from some of those post-game videos with Jeff Saturday on right. on Sunday. He just, that dude is just so, so comfortable, and I mean, I'm a fault of this. I'm sure I speak for others out there. We're worried about what others think. And that dude had no ounce of worry whatsoever. And I think people just felt that right away. And that's why he was beloved in an environment that's far different than Immokalee, Florida, where he grew up.
1: It's what's, what's interesting about him is he is exactly how I wanted to be growing up. And in terms of, of my career, I've mentioned this before, somebody we have a mutual friendship with is Jimmy Mad Dog Matus. And once I saw Dog working at Q95 when I was over there and I saw, you know, what he was both on the air and the off the air, that's exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be relatable and friendly with everybody. And that's exactly how Edger and James is to me. He is cool with everybody. Doesn't matter, but he wants to have a good time. That's what I always thought Dog was both professionally and personally – And that's how I wanted to be. And I think that's how Edger and James is, too. It just makes him so relatable to everybody. And not everybody can do that.
5: Right. Right. And it's so real. Like, there's just not one ounce of fake whatever with him. Um, And just is always candid, always honest. And I remember hearing stories about the Hall of Fame party that he threw in Canton and trying to push that noise ordinance for the wee-wee hours of the morning out there. Um, and I think the Peyton Manning quote, you know, says it all about you know what Edron was as a teammate and how, I mean, again, Peyton and Edge come from far, far different backgrounds. Um, and for Peyton, who I think is very, very in tune to what it means to, you know, be a teammate and all of those things, to say, you know, and he said this endlessly, he's the best teammate that he's ever had. Um, I think that 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 resonates. That that means a whole lot. That's a really high standard. And for Edge to have met that on the football field with work ethic, his playing style, et cetera, et cetera, became in day one. He was a great blocking running back in terms of pass blocking standpoint. But then also off the field, just to be such a genuine dude, uh, that's that, that's really rare. So I can't wait for Friday night to uh, to watch that. Yeah,
1: going to be a great time. It's Kevin Bowen, The Morning Show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday mornings, Monday through Friday, 7 until 10 a.m. on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. How skeptical, because I think a great deal, but how skeptical should the Colts be moving forward with Shaquille Leonard in mind? Second, back surgery. There are so many what-ifs here, and you don't want it to be that way, but dealing with the back, and, I mean, obviously, I mean, you're whining about being 33 and being in a rocking chair. (laughs) Uh, He's uh, taking collision after collision. So I would have to think a high level of skepticism about the future of Shaquille Leonard here, or will they – look at it that way what do you think
5: yeah you'd be ignorant not to look at it in that light i mean we're talking about three major surgeries in the last 15 months two back surgeries in the last five months and a guy that his game is predicated on an elite level of athleticism he's been very open about what he thinks is best suited for his playing style and that's to be a Light linebacker. I mean, he weighs 215 pounds playing linebacker. And if you all of a sudden take away some of that elite athleticism and lateral movement and speed and, you know, bendability, whatever makes him such a unique athlete, you know, that all of a sudden really restricts his game. You know, I felt this way. I know it's not the exact comparison, but I thought about this in looking back at Victor Oladipo's situation. You know, when Victor went down that night at Banker's Life, And I remember walking out of the arena thinking, boy, are we ever going to see him again? And and not necessarily like career-threatening, but more like, are we ever going to see Victor Oladipo at that level of a guy that is 6'4", a streaky shooter, so he needs to be the high-flying athlete, reckless abandon, attack on the rim, all those things that made him, you know, a top-five pick and, you know, had that all-star caliber run here in Indiana for a brief period. Um, And the ruptured quad, quad tendon was such a serious injury that he hasn't gotten back to that level. And I feel that way right now about Leonard. And just that when you talk backs and you talk nerve regeneration, yeah, I mean, how are you not skeptical about where he's at? The instincts, I think he's an incredibly instinctual player, but that can only cover up so much. And I think he's been honest about, you know, this season and saying that, you know, I've had to watch more film, and even when you watch him out there, the instincts can't cover everything up. Um, and I thought he was a shell of himself when he was playing. So it's unfortunate because, again, he was on a Hall of Fame, you know, path. And now I think if you're the Colts, you have to have very honest conversations about Shaquille Leonard, his future, how that plays into your linebacker room, free agents and Bobby O'Carrike and EJ Speed, all those things.
1: I, right. how essential – and this seems like a really bad question, but I'm curious how you might view his position. A year ago, beyond essential for a defense that without his takeaways would have been absolutely awful. But this year we have seen it certainly more well-balanced – and you talk about these linebackers that have played well. I think Zaire Franklin's the leading tackler in the NFL. Bobby Okereke, who's a free agent, has played well. Was a, a you know had a big play you know the, the the second to final play of that game to help salt that thing away in Vegas on Sunday. And then EJ Speed also has had his moments. So with a player like that, knowing he has four years remaining, that's a high dollar contract. Certainly, we know that. But how essential is he? positionally speaking, moving forward within this defense and then overall with this team, the way that it's built right now?
5: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I I would say there's a lot of kind of unknown just based off of who is running the team and which defense he's playing in next season. Um, You know, if Chris Ballard is still here, of course, Ballard holds linebacker in a higher regard than most. But Ballard has also looked at that position and has drafted, no position he's drafted better than, than the linebacker. I mean, a variety of rounds, whether it's Leonard in the second, O'Kareke in the third, E.J. Speed in the fifth, Anthony Walker in the fifth, uh, Zaire Franklin in the seventh. So, you know, Ballard could look at it in, in that route. Um, and then again, you know, what does your defensive coordinator value? I mean, you look at Chicago with Roquan Smith this year and trade him to Baltimore. I mean, Matt Eberflus and, and Ryan Pace, you know, uh, or not, not Ryan Pace, whoever the new GM is, got together. And clearly said, you know, the, the money value that Roquan Smith um, wants, you know, doesn't necessarily meet maybe the linebacker value that, that we have. So I think that will play into um, some of it. Uh, so I think those are a, a few areas that you factor. Having said all of that, John, and the defense has played very well, and credit to Tyre Franklin. Um, I, he won't get any Pro Bowl consideration, but I do think he should garner a little bit of that. And Bobby Okereke, I think, has played pretty good. And that play he made on third down, on the final drive. I know we talked about the Gilmore play against Adams. You don't get the fourth down. If K doesn't make that play on Foster Moreau, um, you have missed the turnover element. And I think that is what, you know, to your point, that is what covered up so much, I think, with this defense. is we oftentimes called it an average to above-average defense. I think some people thought it was even better than that. And I thought Leonard's ability to take, take the ball away, again, just covered up so much. And if you look at the turnover numbers this season, I mean, last year, I believe they were second in the NFL in turnover margin. And, I mean, this year they have to be near the bottom. I haven't, I haven't looked it up. I mean, maybe they are at the bottom. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly the Matt Ryan turnovers play into it. But Leonard's ability to take away the ball and just create more of those plays. Like, you know, to end the game on Sunday, you saw Karake and Gilmore get their hands on a couple balls. Yeah that has been missing so much. They haven't even created chances to, you know, have those turnovers. And when you think about it, if, you know, let's say Okereke doesn't punch that ball out and Moreau scores and the Colts don't, you know, have a final drive, we're talking about that defense in a very similar light to how we talked about them to close out the Washington game where the pass rush was so quiet and the Heineke, you know, Heineke was able to have a bunch of time and scramble and make plays. So, As much as linebacker, to me, is not one of the top positions, I I also um, think you have to point out that Leonard just did stuff in the turnover turnover department that you haven't snipped this season without him.
1: Kevin Bowens on the Andy Moore Automotive Group line. Considering games defensively they had against Patrick Mahomes, against Russell Wilson, does that give you any inclination of belief that this defense can be better than decent? against Jalen Hurts coming in here on Sunday?
5: That's a good point. Um, I haven't really thought about it, I guess, in in that light. Um, Yeah, I think a couple things to separate Philly is, you know, you've got two really legit wideouts. um, And, and, you know, Kansas City, I think they've got a great tight end, of course, but I think their wideouts are a little bit kind of a second-tier group. Um, You know, Denver just seemed like they were just in such dysfunction. And and honestly, the thing that probably separates the the Phillies, the Eagles from those other two teams, is their offensive line. I mean, it's if not the best. It's one of the best in the league. And Jason Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and, and what they do up front. So that probably is what separates them the most, and they are able to run it. You know, Kansas City, certainly not that. And I don't think Denver was a good running team this season. But so that's probably where I would point to, O-line, a little bit of run game that separates them. I do think the loss of Dallas Goddard is a really big, that's a big deal. one for them. Um, you know, he's a playmaking tight end, a guy that makes plays after the catch for them, and he's kind of their safety blanket. So I'll be curious to see if you know Zach Paschal honestly slides into a little bit more of that role. Um, I know it's not a tight end, but we know Nick Sirianni loves him. So be curious to see how that plays out. I think something related to Monday night, that really stands out to me is obviously the Eagles lost, but they just got beat up. Um, They played, I I went back and looked earlier, they played 83 defensive snaps. Washington was on the field. Washington had the ball for 40 of 60 minutes. That means the Eagles defense is out there for 83 defensive snaps. And just to put that into into perspective, uh, I think the last time the Colts defense was on the field for that long in a game is 2015. So that's a long, long time for a defense that had a couple guys going to the medical tent, uh, banged up in the secondary, and now you're on a short week and you got to travel. Um, so I, that, I think, is what plays into, you know, the, the mental mindset of Philly. should be very locked in and trying to bounce back from that loss, and the NFC East is, you know, now a little bit more jumbled and all of that. But the physical toll, I mean, Monday night could not have gone better, honestly, from a Colts Colts perspective and seeing them, you know, have such a hard fought game and really Washington just kind of bully them.
1: Uh, A.J. Brown's been cleared, by the way. Last check when Tennessee was here and A.J. Brown was still a part of it, he was uh, torching this Colts defense. Now, there's some new names, no doubt about it, and Stephon Gilmore, when he got matched up against Devontae Adams when the game was on the line, made the play, unlike he did not make against the Commanders, uh, and he did make, obviously, going all the way back to the Denver game as well. How much will we see, you think, that, that combination as well. And as you mentioned, Dallas Goddard being out, that is a big deal for that Eagles offense on Sunday.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, when you look at your corner group, Gilmore on Brown and Isaiah Rogers on Devontae Smith, to me, makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I I think that's something that, you know, I know it's not been Gus Bradley's mo to necessarily have corners follow each other. And, you know, you know, Sirianni's going to try and move some guys around. But um, I, I think that is something that would be wise you know, you think back to how that game unfolded late. I mean, Devonte Adams, and you know, as he should, he's one of the best wideouts in the league. But I mean, he got the best of Rodgers. He got the best of Kenny Moore. You know, it took a yeah. while before Gilmore, you know, got got on him. And you know, I also feel like, you know, if they had to do it over again, you know, maybe the Raiders try to move Adams around if he was definitely going to be the target there on the fourth down to try and get him away from Gilmore. Um, so, Sirianni, we had a conference call with him earlier today. He had a ton of high praise uh, for Gilmore. And, you know, I, I think A.J. Brown's physicality, I mean, that is something that he just – he just—he plays the game so much bigger than he's hes listed at. Um, and, obviously, we know that full well from what we've seen in those prior matchups. So, uh, certainly that, that matchup, how much Gilmore that you see on him, uh, that'll be uh, that'll be something to watch.
1: Kind of an angered squad too, especially with the way that game ended, with kind of the flopping of of Heineke and Heineke getting over. You're probably going to have a bit of an an angry and you know, reestablished, if you will, squad coming in here from an Eagles standpoint Sunday.
5: Yeah, and, and I obviously I I think like that'll be the case again. They're playing for a number one seed, and they're yeah. playing for and and you know the NFC East and all that. Um, And I don't know how much this matters, but, yeah, I mean, Nick Sirianni was pissed off about Frank Reich.
1: Yeah, I saw that Uh, today, yeah. You know, but I would expect him to be because they're tight, and I I would expect nothing less.
5: Sure. And, I mean, you'll see it on Sunday. I mean, Sirianni is – anybody that's gone out to a Colts practice when he was here at Grand Park, that dude chirps. And he's going to be – Kenny Moore and DeForest Buckner and, you know, I'm trying to think of the other Colts players defensively that have been around for a while – Um, There will be some back and forth with that sideline. So, you know, for an NFC matchup, and then you factor in Jeff Saturday's first home game, you have to factor in the Colts coming off a win, arguably, um, you know, maybe the best the offense has looked all season, you know, when you consider the balance and you didn't need the no huddle and and you finally got the run game going. I think Sunday at 1 o'clock is going to be one of the better atmospheres we'll see inside of Lucas Oil Stadium all season long. Uh, Because, again, you have kind of all of that, working
1: together yeah you certainly do it's uh kevin bowen with us on the andy moore automotive group hotline um what do you think about the boilermakers last night a lot of players and i, I guess it's kind of the same with, with iu a lot of guys are trying to get playing time too i i can't lie i wanted to see more of kaufman wren than what I saw last night, but yeah, if you're a Boilermaker right. fan, watching Braden Smith in the second half, you know, be uh, the guy that everybody talks about, Braden Smith being, and, you know, Edie, the big man, getting it done, and that was that was a good Marquette team that was in their building last night in the Gavin games.
5: Yeah, I was shocked. I looked up Marquette was, like, preseason pick to finish ninth in the Big East. Yeah. Gosh, they, they, they certainly look better than that. Um, I agree. I was looking to see a little bit more out of Kauffin and Red, and I think an Achilles heel Purdue will have this season is just it, it, can Brandon Newman be this? It's just, I mean, do you have kind of that wing that can get in the lane? I mean, Jay and Ivy created so much for them in doing that. I think that'll be a question. It seems like they've got a couple of ball handlers. They've got some shooters. Um, they obviously have the bigs, but just kind of having that guy that can get to the foul line or get in the lane, that'll be a question. But, man, Braden Smith, I, I was I was so impressed by him late. Like it, It had the vibe of probably what people that went to whatever it is, sectional eight, sectional nine, whatever it is up there in Hamilton County, uh, watching Braden Smith take over that sectional this year uh, or this past spring. That's probably what you felt kind of watching him close it out last night. You know, yeah, I tweeted out him and Fletcher Lawyer are going to win a lot of games, a lot of games at Purdue. And I feel like in a way, a Braden Smith-like point guard has been kind of a missing ingredient recently in, in the Painter tenure. Uh, maybe it hasn't had the most natural point guard or even that lead guard that you know, kind of once at late clock. I mean, Carson Edwards, Jaden Ivey, probably not kind of like natural point guards, obviously unbelievable talent, but I think Braden Smith kind of quarterbacking it as a true freshman and moving into the next few years and doing it for, you know, 30 some minutes a night, uh, that's going to lead to a whole lot of success there. Um, And obviously next year they, they bring in Roosevelt Colvin's kid and he feels like he kind of fits a little bit more of what they might lack this year. So, uh, a lot of pieces. I, I am looking forward to seeing more of Kaufman, Wren. and and I know stat sheet wise. I don't know if it showed up, but I thought Caleb first and the uh, Jenkins kid. Both yeah. of them made some big plays. Well, I mean, David David Jenkins
1: event. is not shy about shooting the basketball. That's for sure.
5: No, he he's you. He's you and I guess when you score as many points as he has, um, I guess the light is pretty Yeah. Pretty he, neon. He green was form.
1: uh he was putting that up. I would agree with you regarding first, especially in the second half. Both he and and Smith, Smith, more minutes than first, but first gave him some, you know, kind of moment of the game, deciding factor type of play that you saw last night off the bench, I thought. too, and, you know, Waddell, actually, he was, he was subbed in there in a, a late-game moment situation, too. He actually got a little bit of clock there late in the second. So it's going to be interesting to see how Matt handles it for sure.
5: Yeah, there's a lot of guys to divvy up minutes to, and I feel like Waddell is one that, you know, Painter's talked about a lot, so, you know, kind of where he fits into all of that, um, I'll be curious to see, and, you know, I know next week when they go out west, or I think it's next week, uh, over Thanksgiving, I mean, they have the potential to play some big, big-time big programs out there, so I think important last night, just from a resume standpoint, take care of business at home, you know, get the non-conference win, get it over another, you know, power conference, uh, because right now you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing plenty of teams, uh, the pac 12 Lost several games to some swag opponents. I mean, as a Notre Dame fan, the ACC, Louisville. The Louisville's right pretty now. funny
1: right now. I shout out to oh Bellerman, man. I love. I've always loved Bellerman, even before they got up to yeah. D one. I, I I hope that that Southern Indiana has a similar path to getting there. I, and you know, I think that they will Irish at tonight. some point. So uh, shout out to the Screaming Eagles, because I just think that area you can find. I've always you know Indiana State. As much as I love them, sometimes I'm going yeah, yeah just a 90 mile radius circle that thing, and this brings some dudes in that want to play that are going to be there, and I think you can get about the same, especially you know in Evansville, with Southern Indiana. So, and I know you can do that at Bellarmine. There are a ton of players, you know, in and around Louisville, a 90 mile radius area right there too.
5: Yeah, I mean, it always shocks me that Evansville struggled so much recently. Oh man, with, you know that that, exactly. that part of the state producing D one talent. I'm nervous. Uh, Southern Indiana, that's who Notre Dame has tonight. And you you look at the start of their season with Stan Gard. They they smoked. I think it was Southern Illinois, and then they lost to Missouri by six. Yeah. So, um, Mike Bray is not going deep in the bench. They're a little banged up. So, yeah, that uh that has my attention tonight. Stan
1: can coach too. He absolutely can coach it up. So, that'll be uh, –
5: Did I see um, Paul Cassaro and those boys competed with Western Kentucky? Yeah,
1: last night, night Western well, – Kentucky. they end up losing by 18, I think – in Bowling Green last night but yeah I will tell you what
5: late first half
1: yeah um I think they well I think they were down 8 at the end of the first I could be wrong about that I was following that a little bit last night too but Paul Can coach and you know they they there's a who's who of dudes that you recognize in this area locally that are getting a lot of playing time on that team that's a, a fun team to watch at you and,
5: and you know honestly rake is probably, Greg is probably right. a great great person to have this conversation for but the fact that iupui has fallen to this level is just shocking to me john i mean you know the ron hunter to todd howard yeah transition you know i think that probably started some of it and obviously some off the court issues um with with jason gardner but i mean you know if you just got the 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 fourth kid all city and the, you know, sixth all Marion County kid. And that was just kind of the repeat recruiting class year in and year out, get a donut County kid or two. And then, you know, I would think the transfer portal would be a gold mine for them in the sense of trying to attract a kid that maybe left Indianapolis and wants to come back home. I get the facilities on campus, you know, have some drawbacks, but, Man, it's it's crazy to see. You just need a breakthrough. Just get run off the floor. You,
1: you need a breakthrough. I mean, Indiana State has has needed a breakthrough. I, I know you go back to when Greg Lansing took them to the tournament, and you know they lost to Syracuse, I think it was in round number one. They need a breakthrough. I mean, Evansville. I don't know what Evansville. I I kind of wonder how much longer that's even going to be. But I mean, they just need a breakthrough. I know that it's easier. I should say we're, we're making it sound easier than I guess that it is. I'm sure, sure that sure. we are, but yeah, you just look in the area, and you look at all these these players that are in and around here. You think could help, and yeah, you still kind of kind of waller a little bit in uh, in what you're doing, win loss wise. You uh,
5: is you Indigo in D1? Am I am I hearing that rumor?
1: I I know that they they have interest in it. I asked Paul that. I think on when was that? Last was it Friday when I asked him that. And he told me it was better for the president. <laughs> so I him, okay. Well, I'm not talking to President Casaro. So tell him, no, seriously. But no, I uh, yes, I think that is a long-term vision. I think as it should be, right? Should it not be? Uh, that's yeah. that's kind of your quest. There are enough players around here. There there, there are enough players around here to go around. But uh,
5: well, and I'm this is so probably sad. more of a Jake Query question. But like, if you look at population size of Indianapolis, I think most people would think you have more than two Division One basketball programs. Yeah, you know, if you just looked at other cities around the U.S., there's so many Division One basketball programs. So,
1: yeah, you see a lot yeah. of kids around here end up bugging out, and yeah, you know, like Dylan Windler, I always bring him up from Perry Meridian, um, who ended up at Belmont. Now, granted, he he transformed into that type of player. Um, and this is probably a bad example. He, he that environment was perfect for him, you know. And, and Rick Byrd, the head coach there, and that right. style of play was was perfect for him. There's no doubt about that. But man, there are a lot of dudes that end up getting out of town, and you kind of wonder how in the world that happened. But again, I sit here and I know that it's easier said than done, or because yeah. if if not, somebody would have done it. And uh, I mean, it's there are too many there are too many talented guys around here to to see that happen so easier said than done i
5: guess sure yeah i know we're up against it but cathedral's had a couple guards eastern kentucky i think at murray state recently it's like man who's you know, that kid
1: cathedral? with the wild hair at cathedral who's that dude
5: oh uh jake davis he yeah, looks like david coverdale like of white yeah, yeah. i
1: dig the hair what's his name
5: jake davis uh mercer is where he's going another oh, he's, one see i mean yeah
1: mercer yeah. Macon, georgia huh so he's going. That
5: dude, he just, he banks home threes, takes charge. He just makes the right plays.
1: I'm going to call him Whitesnake because he looks like David Coverdale of White Snake. Yeah. I dig it. <laughs> he's got some wild hair, doesn't he? <laughs> he does have some wild hair. I like it. I did not know he was going to Mercer, though. Yeah, oh. pretty sure it, it,
5: it's Mercer. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, Cathedral's going to be really good. Hey, by the way, to Taylor Heineke, he's going to be the starter against the Texans. So, the uh, getting up to the second round with that Wentz trade, looks like it's circling the drain,
5: is it not? It will be a third rounder, right? Yes. I mean, there's no way they go. I mean, they would have to go back to Wentz next week pretty much. Exactly. The of the season. So, unless Taylor yep. Heineke gets hurt. Yeah, so third-rounder, and with Washington continuing to win, I mean, that third-round pick now is looking a little bit later than you even thought it would
1: be. All right, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings here on the fan from 7 until 10 a.m. Happy birthday to your mom. I'm going to get the entire family drunk at the Bulldog tomorrow, too, with Heaven Hill Distillery, so come on over. <laughs> I'm going to get everybody hammered. I love it. All right? I love Mad- it. Hey, what about Maddie? Is Maddie, Maddie in a drinking mood?
5: Oh she, come on now, yeah. I mean, she, the baby's two months old. She, she, she's she's cer- certainly throwing them back, having to deal with those long nights. We're like high V
1: at the Iowa Motor Speedway. We go big or we go home, Kev. <laughs> so remember that. All right, go
0: big or go home.
5: I love that analogy. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take it easy, brother. See you tomorrow. All
5: right, see
0: you, down so, Kevin Moen. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.